Hey everyone, and welcome to your Exit Squad. My name is Dave Barnett, and I'm joined by my co-host Mike Finger. And uh, this is the show where we talk with people that own and operate small, medium-sized businesses who have an aspiration or a desire to exit one day, and they want our help to look at what they're going to do in order to make this a possibility. Mike, what what kind of stuff are we going to be doing on this show? Exciting, exciting conversation today. We've got a, a guest with us today, David, uh, who's going to be uh, different than many of the other guests that we've talked to. Uh, our guest to, today is different because he's both the potential buyer and in many ways the potential seller of this business that we're going to be talking through. Our guest today is Dan. That's not his real name. Uh, he is currently running his family's business right now, but he wants to figure out how he needs to change the business so that he's able to acquire it as the next generation owner. So Dan, welcome to your exit squad. Hey guys, thanks for having me. I'm pretty excited. Excellent. Excellent. Well, we're thrilled to thanks hear the story. Me. Thrilled to hear your story. Dan, Dan, talk us through a little bit about yourself and about the business. Okay. Well, first off, I've been working in the business my entire life. As most family business people would know, they're kind of pushed into it. I don't ever remember applying for a job, actually, or even talking about someday uh, working here. It just happened. And it was a good fit. I have siblings. Um, I have a large family. And I'm the only one that really works here. And everyone else is okay about with that, which isn't always the case in family businesses. I am fourth generation. Uh, my great-grandpa started this business in 1942. Um, it's made multiple transitions since then. Um, and... You know, it's kind of amazing that we're here. I don't think my my great-grandfather would have ever thought we'd still be around doing almost the same exact thing um, in the same exact location. So that's a big important part about it, too. We're still in the same property location that, yeah. that actually one of my grandpa's brothers lived on back in the day. So it's interesting. Um, but, yeah, so I've been working here a really long time. And uh, helping the business grow. I, I actually finished my business degree a few years ago because I didn't know what was going to happen with the business. And I figured, wow, uh, if I got to go somewhere else, I better have something to show for it. So uh, now I've been running a business and have my business degree. But that's really not what I want to do. I want to stay here and uh, and keep this thing going. I just don't know how to do it. Sure, sure. Dan, how long have you been, uh, how long have you been running the business? Uh, I would say probably the last five years has been my role has really taken over where um, it's my dad and my grandpa's cousin are partners right now. So that's the dynamic. Um, ages 84 and 68. And they've kind of just given no, like, again, nothing's been actually titled or um, um, given. It's just been hey, will you help me more with this? Will you do this? Will you do that? And so I've taken it on and, and have been helping a lot Where to the point where I feel like the company's doing pretty good at my dismay kind of, you know what I mean? So, you know, at the time they were wanting to kind of step back, we built a pretty good well-oiled machine here. And a lot of it I put in that effort. So I'm kind of like a catch-22 here, helping the business and then having to figure out how to transition the business I've been helping on so so long. So, Absolutely, absolutely. And what role are the current owners in? Are they there every day 
making those key decisions or, or, or have they faded back as well? This past year, they've faded back a little bit more, but they are both there every day. Okay. Too many, too many cooks in the kitchen, too many chiefs, you know, um, it's, it's, it's draining. It's tough. And I've talked with, uh, with my grandpa's cousin, the older one, a couple of times, and he just feels like this is his life. He doesn't know what he would do without it. He, he doesn't know, he doesn't know how to live without it. It's his baby. He's been working here 50 something years. Sure. Um, and he was actually just, he recently had a driver, still had his commercial driver's license, but they actually finally said they couldn't have it anymore, uh, a medical certificate. And he was just almost in tears because it was like taking his man card away. You know, he just, <laughs> he just, uh, he can't think of life without it. So they are exhausted. Both of them are exhausted. They need more help. They just don't know. We've sat down and had discussions. They just don't, we, none of us know. The last transition was 50 years ago and it right. looked a lot different. So I, yeah, that's exactly what my next question was going to be. This is a topic that you're actively talking about uh, as a group. Yes. Yes. I've had um, a couple business coaches talk with us. We've sat down with a, like a mediator and kind of discussed options of how an exit would look. Um, We've tried to build roadmaps of what's the next step, but it's just, um, to be honest, we've been short staffed for a really, really long time. And we've just been wearing many hats. Yeah. And so I've been hiring guys to help open up time for us to have these discussions. So within the last you know year, we've been having more available time because otherwise we're just working for the company. We're not working on the company. We're just day-to-day -day emergencies, you know, and, uh, we can't ever find a time away from the customers where we can just shut things off and talk every time something comes up. And so we're getting, we're, we're having those discussions. It's just like after the discussion, we kind of joke me and my cousin, I should probably enter that into the equation. My cousin is um, planning to take this over with me, who is my dad's partner's grandson. Okay. So um, we just call each other cousins because I don't want to figure that out. But um, and me and him work really well together. But we just kind of joke around like, why are we having these meetings when nothing gets done? So, you know, and we got that other dynamic of I don't want to feel I don't want to be that entitled, spoiled, you know, hand me down business thing. I don't want to talk to him about I don't want to offend. You know what I mean? Like, it's just a weird dynamic of how do you go about talking about these things without saying something that might hurt their feelings about what they built so long, you know? So I, it's just, it's just a rough position. Yeah. If, yeah. if a deal were done next week, what would your father and, um, and his cousin be doing? Uh, my dad, he's actually told me I'd still come and help you if you want. And, and I'm like, no, that would be the worst nightmare. Uh, just, uh, just, it would be really weird, but he just doesn't, he's, they're tired, but they're not ready, ready to let go of everything. Um, he, he does. I mean, he would have some hobbies and he would, you know, travel and visit grandkids and he would enjoy retirement. He really would. I just don't think he can fathom that yet. You know, I don't think he's ever like actually said, I, he's never taken a month off and just gone away. You know, I said, I said, do that. Just leave. See if stuff still works, you know? Um, and the, and the other thing is we don't have to like make decisions right away. We are, we're not in that position. 
but we could test things out, right? It could be like, hey, you know what? Why don't you just go into a semi-retirement for um, two months and just see how you like it or something like that. And now my and my dad's partner, he's 84 and and he's got some health issues. So I'm pretty sure he'd just be hanging out with his wife at home. So not not much there. But the, the reason why I asked my question is I'm just trying to get a, a, a sense of their motivation or urgency. Because, you know, one of the biggest problems that they face as owners of this business is the stress and strain of day to day management. And they managed to solve that problem. Uh, by getting you to work there. <laughs> yeah. Lucky me. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so like, you know, whenever somebody says to me, we, we have meetings and we talk about this, but no, nothing ever seems to happen. It, uh, the first thing that I question is the motivation of the seller. Yeah. Yeah. I guess they're very unmotivated because to be honest, if I was in their position, I would just sit there and let me do everything forever. You know what I mean? I'm making it very easy for them. <laughs> uh, they joke around with my cousin and I and say, oh, um, we have it so lucky. We we do. And I said, you guys have it. We're, we're sitting here ready to work and willing to do whatever you want. Like, who am I going to have to do that for me? You know, based off the industry, none of my kids are going to work there. You know? Yeah, sure. So Dan, is there is there any plan or planning in place if something were to happen tomorrow? I mean, does... Is there any kind of uh, transition? They have, uh, yeah, they do have like a like a, a fail safe like um, insurance policy buyout um, first whatever first option to buy out kind of thing partner from partner. So they have that. If they were both two, <laughs> I don't know, that would be uh, that would be a mess. So 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 no planning in place around that. Okay. Yeah. Have you guys talked about what the business might be worth or what the price might be? What what do they envision getting out of this? Okay. So so we did sit down with the accountant and kind of talk about that. And that you know you can you can Google anything and find out. Oh, a multiplier of this. Oh, it's this. Oh, this. We actually bought a business, an asset sell like three years, five years ago. We bought someone a competitor, mm-hmm. and it was just an asset sell and like it was like not worth what they, you know, I, they wanted way more. So like, I've seen things like that happen. Um, and most of the time it's either asset or property. That's the business that in this, in our industry, it's just like the business is not valued. Like if I went on shark tank and say, Oh, this is, these are my, this is my margins and these are my gross sales. You know, it's not, there's not a multiplier like that cause it's a commodity type thing. But, um, we have discussed and they don't, they're not looking for a big payout or any kind of, they would, they already said we'd, we'd finance you guys because we want it to be successful for you. We don't want you to sit there and be in debt for 30 years or anything like that. We're not looking for a big payday. Um, and so that's what makes it difficult. And I'll, I'll, I'll let you in on it. I have a really good relationship with my dad, my mom and dad. Um, and so we came out of that meeting and the account, the account basically said, okay, what do you guys need? Yeah, to my dad and his partner. What do you guys, what, what do you need a year? What will make you happy? And neither of them could answer the question. Um, and so, so I put my dad not on a budget, but of a, a strict, you know, um, audit of how much do you guys spend a month? What would you be comfortable with? They have no idea. And it's <laughs> so frustrating. So, so we're on day uh, 25 of that. So I'm wait five more days, six more days, and then I'll figure out what that number is. So, but no, they're not looking for a big payout or anything like that. They're very, they, 
they're very comfortable and, and they've talked about just leaving us the business, you know what I mean? But I think sometimes that is like not looked upon in with their friends or something like I grew this business to whatever. And I'm just giving it, I don't know. It just, it's an uncomfortable thing. Right. So, well, so this is here, here's a question for you then. I mean, I, I know what it costs me to live because twice a month I write myself a check out of my business. It's David's pay and it goes into my personal bank account. And that's what I run my household off of. And so if these guys don't have a very good idea of, of what it costs them to live or what they need to live, is, is there some sort of commingling or, or some, some, uh, I guess, um, informalities with how things are operating as far as money and accounting goes? Uh, I would say yes, probably. Um, and we spoke prior to this and, and you, you termed it. I love your term. I've been using it all the time. Normalizing income. I love that. Um, to figure out kind of, and, and I sent you financials of the company and, and if I also printed out a, uh, a PL of year to date. And if, if I don't know if I sent that one to you guys, but I've been working really hard to normalize the income in the business. Uh, but I think a large part of it is imagine a scenario of you've been working for this company for a really long time and you have total control of where all of your money can go. Um, they didn't pull out a lot of money and, and, and build their own retirements. They actually bought property with that earnings as retirement. That's what they've always called it. And the property is like next door to us. And we've just started using it for the business and the business have grown because we have that property and a couple they lease out. But so a lot of their earnings have been because of, um, or have been turned into property. And then in turn, the company has been using the property to grow and uh, they haven't had an increase in rent pay for the company. So kind of like my cousin and I are always like, someday you gotta have to get market value for that rent. And it doesn't make any sense. Like we would have to move out to the middle of the desert to, to be able to afford something for the rent price they're getting. So yeah, there are some, some things they can fix. And that's a big part. That's a big problem. I think with selling it to anybody, not just me to anybody, that would be a huge issue. Dan, do you have any sense for what the business looks like financially if those different elements were normalized? If you were, if the accounting was clean, if you were paying market rent, do you, do you know what the business looks like? Yeah, I do. I, I, I have a really good idea. And so that's what keeps me here. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's promising and, and I have been, I have been working on it. So I'll, I think this year, uh, if I, at the end of the year, when I do the P and L, it's going to look a lot different. We're going to, we're going to have, um, we're going to upgrade a lot of equipment this year. That's what I, that's all I'm going to say on that. Um, Cause I've been helping with margins and pricing and different kinds of things. I kind of, um, neither of them background have business, business background. And I'm not saying that's bad thing or anything. They're, they've been successful, but like, they don't they don't have budget meetings they don't forecast they don't they don't do the normal things that 
I do at, in my personal expenses, like David said, right? Like, you know, exactly. I know exactly where every penny of my money is going because that's just being smart with your money. And then you are actually um, better off because you know where your money's going and you're not spending it on things you don't know where it's going. So I've been working really hard at that. And, and I told them this year, they're accidentally going to make a lot of money and pay a lot of taxes if they're not careful. Um, but uh, yeah, they have a lot of things. Uh, it's it's worth it to be here. It's worth it to be here for me. So let me ask you this. If if you own this business today and you were unrelated to the property owners and you did have to pay a fair market rent, would you still run this business in this location or would you have moved it someplace else? That's a good question. I've been thinking about that. A comp just went up down the street from us and the same acreage, same kind of lot that we have is $123,000 a month. <laughs> a month. A month. A month. Yeah. Okay. If, if this, this, is at, a, this is a big industrial space. In yeah, it's a big thing, industrial right? space. Okay. It's a huge, that, I think a petroleum company is in there right now. So okay. they have multiple trucks, tanker trucks and things like that. So, but I mean, I was looking at comps and it was 15 uh, $15 a square foot a year rent. That was like normal. There's a place down the street that's kind of close for this type of open land kind of concept. Um, no, I, I mean, we would have had a move if they didn't own the property. We would have had it. We would have already been pushed out by city ordinances and stuff. We're, we're in a weird location. <laughs> 80 years, are you, are you 80 years later. Yeah. Are we're you grandfathered. grandfathered and, and, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I couldn't even go down the street and rent a place and do what we're doing. So it's very, it's very uh, imperative that we keep the location. Otherwise, I'm, I mean, it, the company's not worth having. So that that is a big a big deal breaker. I mean, the freight involved to get stuff. I mean, I'm I'm delivering stuff. Um, we do horse feed. Okay, so it's not glamorous. You know, nobody says, "Hey, I'm going to go start a horse feed business." We have very little competition. I don't have to market. I don't have a sales team. Um, they've been doing it 80 years. And so it's not really, it's not, it doesn't follow a lot of the ticks that you need to, for a business. Um, it just, a lot of things just fall into place, but yeah, we would have to be so far out of town that the freight to like deliver to the customers that we go to would just make it not even, it would just be a really hard thing to do. Let's just say nobody's going to start this business where we are. This is where it started though. So it's very interesting. It was a uh, fun fact. It was a dairy feed business. So my, my ancestors are dairy farming uh, farmers from, uh, from the Netherlands and came over and then came to uh, our area down here for um, during the war and then said, what do we know? Oh, we know, uh, we know dairy cows. So let's start doing that. So we have to figure out not just how to transition the business, but also how to transition the real estate. Yeah. Yeah, that is that is a tough one. So this is some advice I got, and you guys could tell me if it's good or bad, um, or give your opinion on it. Uh, the the owners, my dad and his partner, have acquired the properties personally that the that the company runs on, and they are the landlords. Um, and so that would be. I was watching one of your videos, David, about the uh, hardware store. On oh, yeah. kind of thing, and that—that's the one I commented on because I was like, "Wow, this is our dilemma." Um, they could become landlords and just not deal with horse feed at all. You know what I mean? Like, and I asked them, 
what if someone just came in here and offered you for this property and and you know the whatever you know market value would be fine would would you be okay oh, we would never do that we want the company to keep going so that's not they're not looking for a payout on property they would keep it going but at the same time they're counting on that rental income to support them to the remainder of their life so that is like that is the transition going on that's the discussion um the suggestion we got was to build that company build those properties into another company um and then they would own that company and rent out to to our company so that was like the suggestion is kind of get all that property in its own llc or corporation and then become basically a commercial property uh, management company so it's currently held under the same uh, the same company it's not it's currently personally owned by the individuals yeah okay their okay. own names yeah. yeah and so so if the you know we i think we asked you a few minutes ago if this business was paying fair market rent and all the other accounting issues were addressed it would be a money maker you could afford to pay that rent yes yes it would be it would be they just have something against showing income i don't know why old people have a problem with showing money so they don't want it they don't need it so they're just like oh just pay me whatever the accountant has told us for years this needs to be fair market it's not it's not at all i mean i sent you over our rent cost yeah it's and, like and so so yeah. they they just don't want to personally have to declare that rent income is that that's, that's i think that's the whole thing i think that's the whole thing yeah yeah and i don't know why i don't know the reasoning i don't know i don't know i have no idea i can't get it out of them i don't i think my dad would be fine he's 68 he's like sure he can't even qualify for a home in our city because of his income to debt ratio you know like you know he can't i mean he owns this pretty good sized company and he can't qualify because they don't show that they make enough money and he could easily change that by paying a fair market rent and taking that in but they haven't so i don't know why i don't know why they, and, and, and and is it you alluded to this a little bit before are you able to have that conversation with them oh, do they, yeah, do they definitely. engage that topic yeah yeah i have uh, I've actually made, I step back, you know, when I was just thinking about talking with you guys today, I step back and I look and I say, wow, I have really come a, a long way. I really do. So I don't get so frustrated. I used to get so frustrated. And that was a big reason I went back to school because I was leaving. I was gone. I was done. Uh, I couldn't handle it anymore. Uh, nothing was changing. And um, I just finally said, I looked at everything. I figured everything out, like you said. Um and it makes sense to stay here. So I'm trying to work on this thing. Um, not make it look too good because I want to buy it, right? But I want to make it a good company. I want to make it a legitimate, um, profit showing, uh, contributing to the community. I mean, one of my goals is just to have 25 families supported off our company. I think that would be an awesome thing. Like, it's not a financial numbers thing. I don't want to get huge and, you know, be a millionaire and you know have tons of money and buy a yacht that's not that's not the thing here like this is something my grandpa built 80 years ago you know uh it's got my name on on the building uh i think it i think it's more of a like i don't know if pride's the right word but like i think it's more of a like i don't know like maybe it is you know pride for my family like kind of deal so 
you know, I, I've run into this quite a few times, not necessarily amongst sellers, but just amongst people who have various issues and problems in their business where they, they're so busy in the day to day that they don't want to take the time to go and do the things that are required to actually initiate the changes and make things move. Mike, I'm sure you, you deal with this a lot, working with business owners who are, who are trying to prepare a business for exit. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's two things that are that are calling out to me from what you're describing, Dan. And the first one is the uh, mechanization of that conversation, right? It, it's that, oh, well, we're too busy to get to this exit conversation today. It, it, it gets pushed off two days, then two weeks, then two months. Um, and finding a way to uh, operationalize this conversation in a way that says, Every second Tuesday, we go to Bill's Diner, and this is all we talk about. And it's on everyone's calendar, and we do it at two. That getting to the place where we're actively talking about this. But what what I'm really struck by is going back to our introduction, because what most of us and most listeners here might be looking at as a um, as a joy and a positive. They know who their buyer is, right? They've got the buyer identified. In reality, that's a big part of what's creating the complication here because in almost any other environment, the buyer would be coming to the table and saying, here's what I want. Here's what I need. Here's what my offer is. And I guess, my Dan, my question to you is, have you done that? I, me and my cousin got together and we had that conversation. And we offer them a certain amount of money okay, um, for the rest, pretty much uh, since seller finance for a monthly, a monthly kind of payment for the rest of their life kind of deal okay. with the intention upon um, <laughs> the remainder of their life, uh, we would take over. So um, at, without any like final payment or anything like that. Sure. No, no, nothing going to the family trust or anything. That's that's luckily our family doesn't have a lot of family issues. I've read so many family business books and it it's just like all these different family dynamics are messing with it. We have really good communication between us and we're such a far distant family between my dad and his partner and me and my cousin, who is actually probably my second cousin once removed or something. I don't really know um, that we don't have these like family issues that most family businesses have. And we've, we've said, we've said a number and they said that number was way too high. We, we wouldn't need that. And I said, well, great, that's fine. Um, but then again, uh, there hasn't been any step forward. So there hasn't been any movement from that. It, it, you know, most sellers struggle to find a buyer as Mike was just alluding to. Most buyers struggle with things like the financing and the deal terms. And that, in this case, doesn't seem to be a problem. They apparently will take less than what you offered and they're willing to finance it for you. So so it would appear that the deal making should be easy. But the reality is, is that something is there is an inertia here at play that is preventing the initiation of the action. Because between the money that you're going to pay them on the seller note and rent that they could collect through their real estate holdings, um, they can more than afford to retire and have an income that will support them happily, right? Yeah. And so, so I don't think the 
the intransigence necessarily has anything to do with the business. It has to do with them having some kind of vision of what that post-work life looks like. Yeah, and I think they're both scared of that. I mean, I don't know. They've, they've heard stories the second they retire, you die. Um, uh, I mean, I think it's a real thing. For some people, I think it's a real thing. Uh, my great-grandfather, I remember when I was a kid. When I was a kid in there coming in and not really working, just with a broom sweeping up or something, he was already retired and done, and he was in there every morning, rode his bike into work, and had, had a coffee in the office every morning. Um, it's something about, and I hope, I tell my wife all the time, do not let me be like my dad and his partner. Do not let me turn into this guy that cannot can only talk business and has to be there and can't let go. Uh, I don't want to be that. Like you can learn from your parents, right? And you can learn what not to do from your parents. So, so I just don't want to. I don't want to be that person. But it comes across as like, oh, uh, he's just lazy. Whatever. No, that's not. That's not a thing. Like I don't want to. I could be on the forklift every day, but if we pay a forklift operator, why am I? You know. So right. that's the kind of things that they're still doing. But, but Dan, would if you woke up tomorrow and you were the owner of this business, would you need their roles to change? Do you have a problem with them coming in for the next 20 years if if they're so inclined to do that? Oh, if I was the owner, I would I would not need them at all. <laughs> I would need more more labor workers. And, and, and I have uh, hired three guys in the last three months. And so that but, is, but would you be comfortable saying to them, dad, come to the office and drive a yeah. forklift whenever you want to? No, no, I, I would want them to go enjoy the rest of their life. I would, because yeah. I'll tell you, there have been deals done before where sellers have gotten to keep their office. Yeah, that, that just would be such an issue. It would just be, I mean, it, the way, the way it works right now is kind of a power struggle with two owners in there all the time over calling each other's this i'm i mean i almost quit when i was 18 because i didn't know who to listen to em employees uh, are being confused by employees get, they told one thing they told yeah. something different so there's just too, too much going on it, it, i told them they offered me to uh get out of the truck i've been in the truck for a long time they offered me to get out of the truck and manage the the yard the office and and take control and i said only if you guys stay home that was the only my wife actually told me she's like no i do not want you to be in that environment for 10 hours a day. The only reason you do it, the only way you could do it is if they weren't there. And the other day I was in there, uh, we closed up, um, we closed up the office. I stayed about an hour late. My dad was sitting behind me and we were getting some work done. And I just stopped for a second. I said, you know how nice this is right here? You know, just because there was one of the owners there, that's all just one of them. So uh, I've already talked to my cousin about it and saying, you know, we have different roles and we played, we would be in charge of different things. Don't step on each other's feet, but no, I don't. And that's why I sound like kind of evil, right? Like, Oh yeah, I take it over, but you can't come back. You know, like they, they get offended by that. Like, Oh, I've been working here for so long, you know? And I say, well, you think you'd be better at it by now, you know? So like, just like different things like that. Like, it's just, it's just time for them to go and do something different, you know? Well, and, and, it, and it's difficult, I think, at this point in their life to create a new interest, perhaps. Yeah, so, for the 84-year-old, for the definitely. I mean, he's got an uh, unhealthy wife at home, and, and I think part of it is he just stays at work so he doesn't have to deal with some of that struggle at home, which is unfortunate. But my, my, my father has plenty to do. 
he has he has way he has so much to do and my mom's just begging for him to let go and go do some stuff and he just can't disconnect and i think it's more of a pride thing like oh uh, my partner's 84 and he's still been doing this um if i take off he's gonna just do a bunch of things while i'm gone that i don't really approve of and and i and i know that that is actually the reason that is actually the reason because i've hired these new guys and they both have problems with the way things are done like day-to-day tasks right and i said who cares as long as it gets done but if they've been doing it for 50 years they have a certain way to do it if someone comes in and does it different they just don't like that so they i i was writing down some notes the one of the biggest things i took away right now is the money doesn't matter the money is not the issue the financials aren't the it issue. doesn't seem to be based on what you've described certainly it's something to do with um uh i get i don't know if it's an emotion or um power maybe maybe power maybe the the need to uh, be needed kind of thing it's more of a like a uh behavior framing it that that is a great way of framing it it's yeah needing to be needed is something that um that i've heard someone in a different sphere talk about with simply with respect to you know uh masculinity you know like uh, roles that men have traditionally filled where you're there to do the work and be busy and get things done and earn the money and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and yeah. it could be something very close to that is, is attuned in these two. There's, there's a lot of information out there, how we as small business owners uh, personalize that role, right? That is who I am. I am the owner of X and, you know, we can talk about it, uh, somewhat flippantly and say, well, why aren't you doing that other thing? But this is, this is the life that they've built, right? This is who they are. They've made that job. They've made that role to be exactly what they want to do. And if they want, if they want to own the company and come drive the forklift, they can, they can do that. You know, Dan, do you have a, is there, you mentioned there were no salespeople in the organization. Is there an org chart that you've sketched out at any point that talks about the different functions and roles within the business? What, what I'm wondering is if there isn't some way for you to create a a post-sale role that one or both of them could fill that allowed them to be involved in some way. I'm just imagining, you know, like a trade show or the county fair where a lot of the customers might be and, you know, be, being representatives of the company or something could be something that they yeah. would just love to do. And they could continue to do that. And that would be a very low time demand. Um, like, are, are there things that you could do to sort of create these part-time jobs that yeah, would still allow cool. them to have some kind of influence and presence? Yeah. I, as you were talking about that, I, I mean, that's totally doable. One of them really enjoys talking to vendors a lot, um, mm-hmm. uh, and some of our suppliers and things like that, and actually goes out and visits them, but not as much as he should. Uh, you know, like there's an opportunity for him to get on the road and go talk to people and just communicate and, and have like a, um, a social kind of relationship with some of our vendors and our customers, things like that. Totally. The ball's totally dropped on that aspect of it. So both of them can do it, but I don't know if that's their, their um, forte. You know, I don't know if that's what they enjoy doing. They both enjoy doing the day-to-day tasks and I don't, I don't get it. But I think that's just what they know. So they enjoy it. Like, for instance, today, so a new customer called in, a uh, referral. And uh, they said, oh, 
Um, Dan's not in the office right now. He uh, will call you back and take care of that. They they don't initiate that conversation with new customers. They do, that's not their that's not their desire. They don't. If it wasn't for me, the business would have been dead already. Because I, I don't know that sounds arrogant, right? But like I at the point where I wanted to grow, I wanted to do good. They're at the point where they're like, eh, we've been doing this a long time. Whatever. If if I don't get a customer, I don't get a customer. So I, I was like. I'm out there working my butt off and they're like, eh, nah, call so-and-so. We don't want to do it. I'm like, why did you do that? So you know? Are you, are you kind of just saying that this business has become their hobby? Uh, yeah. You know, when, when you don't have budget meetings and you don't have to figure out where financials are and you're very comfortable, you just make decisions based off of uh, feelings and whatever, rather than actually what is the smartest thing to do. You know, some of the financial stuff I've looked into, I asked, why did you do this? And they're like, I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember, you know, it, so. it, it, it sort of, it's, you know, it sort of reminds me of some of the business owners I've talked to who happen to be like married to surgeons and stuff who they're in their business and they're running their business, but really the things they do in their business are not mission critical towards their family's survival. Yeah, no, that's exactly explains it. Because these guys have a lot of wealth. They've got own all the real estate and they've got money, et cetera. So, I mean, they really could work here every day for the next five years and totally screw it up and they wouldn't go hungry or anything. Yeah, no, they're fine. And that's what scares me sometimes. So uh, um, I kind of, (laughs) I just kind of changed email addresses and kind of taken over things. So I don't have to, I kind of filter through the things, say, hey, email this email address instead of going to my dad because he'll never check his email, you know, stuff like that. Just they're kind of like they're checked out on a lot of the growth opportunities in the business. And um, and I think it comes from being comfortable. I kind of sometimes wish that they would be uncomfortable in an uncomfortable situation. I, I you know, hear businesses like, oh, I'm struggling to make payroll or something like that. I kind of wish that would happen. So they'd be like, oh, my gosh. We got, we got to do this this way now, you know, I wish kind of, they would kind of feel a little pressure. Yeah. But, but sure. so, get a little bit Dan, Dan to, you know, to that point, what's your clarity? What's how long are you willing to be in limbo here? Yeah. <laughs> I was just about that. <laughs> yeah. Good, good well, question. So it, the problem is my dad and me have a good relationship and he, if I told him, if I, if I said to him, you know what, I'm done. I'm not going to be here anymore unless you retire next year and and are out of it. He would be out of it. He would, he would just say, okay, give him an ultimatum. He would, I don't know if I'm going to do that ever because I'm a son. That's a little bit, you know, like it might come to that point, but my mom might actually pressure me to do that. Um, as far as his partner, it's his grandson that is waiting to take over. He's been in there for uh, over a generation gap. He hasn't had a transition. Uh, you know, it was my grandfather, my grandpa, my dad, me. It's been uh, my grandfather and his nephew and his uh, yeah nephew would be my dad's partner. And that's it. Stopped. He didn't give it up. He never changed. So there's a lot of running into your head, you know, your head into a wall with that one. And so a lot of it has been like, Dan, give it a few, give it a, uh, one more year, give it five more years. It's just like, it's always been like, Let's just take care of it when he's done rather than trying to have a giant explosion in the family kind of thing. It's always been like, let's wait. I went to business school a long time ago. Uh, I started some courses and I've asked instructors like, how do I do it? And they're like, just hope the business is there when they're ready to uh, retire. 
And it's well, like, that's so, not what so let, let's, let's address that a little bit because the business is their property. Yeah. Right. There, there's, there's really nothing you can say or do to make someone do something with their property. You know, mm -hmm. people are, are free to make these decisions, but one mm -hmm. of the frustrating things about this kind of scenario that you're in is that you are actually the enabler that allows them to do this, mm -hmm. right? Because you're taking care of a lot of the things that they don't like to do that are necessary to keep things moving forward. And so, you know, it's interesting back when I had my business brokerage office open, there were a couple of instances where very wealthy business people came in that had very successful businesses and they came in with their children, their adult children. And they said, we're here to buy a business for my, my son or my daughter so that they can go and run their own business on their own outside the mothership and learn some lessons and have some failures and everything. And then I'll know they're ready to come in and take over. It's this sort of like this planning and development of the next generation. The children, you know, they're never forced to come back, right? But, but you are in this thing and you have never had a career outside, right? Yeah. And, and if you went and knocked on some employer's doors looking for some jobs, you'd probably have some challenges, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. For yeah. Sure. So I, ironically, one of the things that could initiate a momentum in this change would be some somewhat of an ultimatum on your part. And I don't think you should deliver necessarily an ultimatum, but I think you can sort of deliver an ultimatum in that you could create some kind of plan or document, the roadmap for transition with some dates attached. Right. And the ultimatum is that they have to either agree and sign on to the map and the schedule, or that will be an indication that they do not want to transition the business to you and you have to figure out some other kind of career. Right. Yeah. No, that's really interesting, David. My brain was going to a, a, a conversation I had last week with a partner in a business who wants to exit in 18 months, but the business is growing by leaps and bounds right now and investments are being made and money is being spent and things are happening. But the problem is, is she's not a player on the board. Her exit isn't one of the pieces that has to be moved yet. And so all these other decisions get to be made. And I, Dan, you alluded earlier to, I wish there was some pressure that would come that they'd have a struggle to make payroll. You're the only one who can apply the pressure because right now you're protecting them from it. So what does that look like for you? How do you get to be one of the players on the board? And to David's suggestion, I think that uh, that makes perfect sense to me. How does that strike you? Yeah, I mean, it. It, I've even, I felt like I've done this before. I've left the company at one point. Um, they. Uh, How long ago was that, Dan? 17 years ago. Okay. okay. Yeah, so it was a while ago, and I was kind of stuck in this kind of uh, dad's little son coming to work kind of thing, and I was ready to move somewhere, and there was- Was your role as important at that point? No, definitely not. Definitely not. Yeah. But I was ready to do something different. You know, like I feel like I'm always trying to do more. And so I was very limited. So I was like, you know, what? I'm going to take off and do something different. So I did that. Uh, I took off. Actually, it's kind of funny and worked for my uncle for a little bit. 
who was one of the vendors of the company. So it was a little weird. Uh, and then when I got there, all hell broke loose because I found out a lot of a lot of other issues. Um, my uncle decided he wanted to be bought out and get it was just a mess. It was a giant mess. And, and so I think I have some kind of dilemma about the ultimatums, I think subconsciously, maybe, I mean, I moved my family, we moved like 500 miles away, we got another place and, and I ended up having to leave because uh, this caused a big issue um, with not only my uncle and I, but also my dad and his partner as well. So um, I think subconsciously that's maybe in the back of my mind is if I give this ultimatum, I'm going to blow something up that doesn't, doesn't need to be blown up. So if there's a, if there is like you said, a roadmap of transitions, that sounds a lot more professional than a, it's, it's a plan, right? A plan that you can all agree on Yeah, because you're going to have to have, you know, lawyers are going to have to do stuff. Accountants are going to have to do stuff. Like, you know, there's this uh, critical timeline project right? That you're doing. Yeah. And so to, to lay that plan out with dates and the names of these different professionals, who's going to do what and when it's going to be done by, and when the day is that we're all going to meet and sign those papers. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it, that, that's a lot, a better idea. Obviously I've been talking about it. I've been reading this, this book about family business and it says, what's the roadmap of secession here? Um, it's a little bit, I can't just take that book and like apply it because it doesn't work the same way. It's not uh, around, it's not motivated around financials. It's motivated around kind of milestones and like um, almost like uh, roles, you know, kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I really would, I really want some help on a roadmap, but I don't have any time and I don't know how to do it. I get, um, what's it called? Um, analysis paralysis. I get overwhelmed of all the different options that could take place and I never come down and sit. And then I feel like it's all on me when really it shouldn't be. And so then I make decisions and I say, okay, let's do this, this, and this. And if something doesn't work out right, they just throw their hands up and say, see, it, it didn't work or something, you know? So I, I need help. I need help of building a roadmap and finding the right team of professionals that are like, Oh, this is, this is a no brainer. This is what you want to do. First step is getting all the property under one LLC. Next step is, um, you know, figuring out what market value rent is or whatever. Well, well, hang, hang on, hang on. Let's, let's put the brakes on this right now because you are now taking on the burden of your father and his cousin. So, so you are not the owner of this huge portfolio of property. Yeah. You, you are the guy that runs the, this business and your interest is in acquiring this business and becoming the tenant of whatever this landlord ends up being. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and so you need to keep your, your blinders on to the focus of what it is that you're working on that, that other stuff that they're involved in that you're not directly involved in. You have to let them be business people. It's their property. They have to listen to their advisors, reorganize in the way that their advisors tell them is going to be the best, most beneficial tax wise, et cetera. You, you don't have to lead them through all of these mazes. You just have to take care of this one piece. David, I, I hear that, but Dan, do you want to own this business if the property transition isn't part of the plan? The property transition is part of the plan. We've talked about and discussed it. And so it would be. So, so you would buy the property? I would, in the, 
yeah. in the business. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, because the two separate don't work, right? In your mind? Yeah, the two separate don't work in my mind. Yeah. yeah. So then, so then if you're going to buy the business from them and the property from them, does there need to be a reorganization around the real estate? Or you're just, you're going to make well, a purchase agreement to buy the business and buy the building? Yeah, there that that is an option. They just have always had it set up where the business doesn't own it, and I don't know, I don't know why. I don't know for what reasons. I don't know if it was tax reasons or things like that. But but so. but, but, but but honestly, does it matter? Because you you could choose to do the same thing. You could choose to have a property holding company to buy the property, and you could have an operating company buy the buy the the business. You could hold them separately too. But the only thing that has to be on your succession roadmap is this is the moment that I'm going to buy the business. And, and you might stagger it. You might say, and I'm going to run the business and pay you guys rent for two years. And while I'm creating financial statements for the business under my stewardship, showing that I can pay this kind of fair market rent, once I've got those two years of financial statements under my belt, I have, I'll have no problem going and talking to the bank and getting a mortgage to acquire the property. Yeah. No, I like that idea. Right. That's, that's so, a lot cleaner. So then, property acquisition maybe is, you know, two years or two and a half years after the business acquisition. Yeah. But this, this is what you lay out on the map and you say, this is how it's going to go. And so I'm going to buy the business here. I'm going to start paying on the promissory note. I'm going to pay you rent. Then yeah. I'm going to buy the business or the building at this point. And then you'll get a big check from that because I'll be able to get a mortgage for that. And I'm going to continue to pay the note. And this is what it looks like for you guys. Do you agree to this plan? Yeah. And now they're not agreeing to sell the business. They're agreeing to a five-year transition and gee, I'm going to be 92 at that point or whatever it is. And yeah, right. it'll probably be time. But yeah. I think that, I think that makes a lot of sense. But again, my Dan, my question to you is what's your timeline? How long are you willing to wait in limbo or when, and I, let's shy away from the word ultimatum, but let me just put it to you. How how long how long are you willing for this to go on before you get clarity? That's a good question. My the, everything every, everything I have can say is like I've waited this long. It would be dumb for me to leave right now. That's the you know like that's that's what is in my mind. You know what I mean? Like if I was going to do this, I should have did it, I should have did it seventeen years ago and never came back. But now that I've invested all this time and and effort and and I can actually see the projections of the business. I'm like, it would be really, it would be, I, I'm willing to wait. I'm willing to wait five years, 10 years. I really am. I really am. There's not a, there's not a struggle. There's not a, there's nothing mo uh, pushing me. I, when you guys said, when, when David stopped me and said, you know what, this is the, this is the seller's job. The other day, my dad's partner like gave me all the deed property titles say okay get it together and and do it like i'm their advisor you know right. what i mean like i can't disconnect myself from this like anytime, anything i got three calls from them while we're on this podcast probably about day-to-day -day stuff too so and then it's it is on me it is on me david they, they, otherwise nothing's gonna get done nothing, yeah. nothing. So, and, and that's why i keep going back dan i, I to you being willing to say hey this might never happen. They might never um, cook in the kitchen, if you will. But how long are you willing to give them 
to make that happen. I, I don't I, I don't know what else you have control over, right? You you can't, as David pointed out, you can't force them into making a decision. You can say, I need clarity on this in the next 18 months, or I gotta go find someplace else I can get clarity. It doesn't have to be a tomorrow thing, but yeah. if you're willing to stick around for 10 years and keep doing this, why would they change? Well, I, I see, I, I actually have a little bit of a differing point of view because one of the owners is in their 80s. And one of the things that could really create a hiccup for this plan would be to have one of the partners pass on. Right. And then you have all of the issues related to, um, you know, wills and all that other kind of stuff. You might end up with some new partners you've never really known before. Yeah. That's what scares me sometimes. Right. And so, you know, the things that cause these deals to be delayed are things like, banks, financing, negotiation, all that kind of stuff. And and none of that stuff is a factor here. Like what this roadmap going forward, you might want to have this transaction occur on the last business day of the year to buy the business. Yeah. And start paying rent to them and and start paying this promissory note while you then work through and help them and advise them on reorganizing their real estate. Right. The, yes. the business transaction is the easiest. Well, potentially is the easiest part of it. Yeah. As, I, as fast as lawyers can put documents together, you can go do your deal. Right. Yeah. 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 I think the the whole the whole business, the business side of it is an easy transition, an easy sell. And and, and to be honest, I've seen multiple businesses, some of our competitors, some of our um, sister company kind of things that some of uh what they basically do, if they don't have a buyer, like there's one down the street right now, a mom and pa shop kind of thing. They don't have a buyer for it. The kids are the kids been running it. They're done. So they're basically just going to close up shop. It makes us more busy. They're going to close up shop and sell the property to a church. Yep. And that's not the first time it's happened. That's, that's I mean, that's what everyone does. Uh, so... You're, you're in a commodity business and commodity business means, um, you know, there's constraints on your margins. Yeah. Right. And so it's very difficult for a business like that to really be able to generate a cash flow that would indicate some amount of goodwill. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's yeah. just difficult. It's not attractive. Those. It's not attractive to any investor. Mm-hmm. It really is not. Um, well, you, it means you need volume and you need the ability to have a better operate uh, cost structure than your competitors yeah. to make any yeah. money. Mm-hmm. And you guys have have volume. I mean, you've, yeah. you've got a lot of sales, right? And so even with the small margins, you can make a good amount of cash flow even with small margins because you have a lot of volume. Yeah. And and so it doesn't surprise me that you say it would make sense for you to own this business, right? But a lot of those other businesses, um, probably the businesses really don't have any value. And, and the decision they're making to simply close and sell their property is probably the most logical one. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think that's the case here. I really don't because that's been a discussion. I don't think because of the volume we have and pretty much the tenure we have, you know, the time we've been in the industry, uh, it's just, it. it's, they, they don't have anyone knocking down their door to, to, to buy the place, right? I'm sitting here waiting for it. I, I just, I, I like what you guys said about the, the roadmap, um, buying the business, you know, first day of the, this next year, um, finding roles for them 
I think that's going to be an important part because I think we're missing that a little bit. Everyone has every role. Everybody does everything. And if I said, hey, dad, this is all you do. This is all your, you're going to just do, uh, how, how about you just do accounts receivable? Like or whatever you want to do, just pick something. And then that's all you do. And that's all you have to focus on. Um, and then, and if I could get them roles, then it hopefully we can transition. I, I noticed this last, this last eight months, you know, this whole year, they've been slowing down and getting more tired and passing things on. And it's, I feel like it's dangerous because if that continues without me motivating and pushing then the business kind of gets kind of worn down and, and toasted. Like I had to go buy a new truck this year. Like, like you guys are saying, I'm not the owner of the business, but I act like I'm the owner of the business. Yeah, I right. hired, you know, I hired three new drivers for us and they, and I, I asked them, I was like, do you guys want to interview them or anything? No, no, take care of it. So like, Nothing is says we own the business, but like I am doing everything that the owner of the business would do and more. And I'm I'm like, like you said, I'm enabling them, right? I totally am enabling them, but I I don't know. I just enjoy doing this, but I want to I want to give them a plan. I want to come up with a sheet of paper and says, "Hey, guys, check out this plan," because you know how I'll, I'll I'll tell them I'll say, "Are you opposed to doing this plan?" I've learned how to do that. Are you opposed to doing this? Because they say no easily, right? So, but if I phrase it, if I phrase it as, are you opposed to doing this? They're like, no, I'm not opposed. Okay, then we're doing it. There we go. That's how I get almost everything done. But if I say, hey, can we do this plan? Oh, let me look it over or whatever. You know what I mean? But so I know exactly how to work with them. I'm not deceiving them or anything. I'm helping them a lot, really. But uh, it's just, um, yeah, it's, it's family business is tough. It is very yeah. tough. So well, Dan, Dan I, maybe maybe some optimism to to end with, right? Maybe we'll be surprised once they don't carry that owner label anymore that they'll be comfortable coming in later, or leaving earlier, taking this day off, taking that vacation. That transition can happen, yeah, and will happen. Um, and I, I love what you're talking about in terms of that 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 role for them and ongoing. And I, I've just added your. Uh, say no technique to my skill set. So I love that. <laughs> I don't know where I learned it, but it, it's come in handy. So, so Dan, you, you said that you, you feel like you need some help. What, if you, if you could get any kind of help in the world, what, if I could Matt wave a magic wand and give it to you, what, what would you be looking for? Wow. Okay. Magic wand. If oh, Man, I wish I wish someone else would come in and say exactly what I'm saying to them because they have like the power butt syndrome. Like I am, I've been there since, I mean, I'm my, I'm my, it's my dad. Right. So he knows me from when I used to wet my bed or whatever, you know, so like they're like, you know, whatever. And then my dad's uh, partner is, I mean, they just, I feel like sometimes they don't take my advice as like, this is the best way to do it, but I'm really trying really hard to figure out the best way to do it for, for everybody. Um, I just wish someone would come in and advise them, not me and say the same exact things that we're saying. Oh, how about we make a roadmap and how about we do uh, start buying the business and then pay you rent. I wish someone could come in and sit down with them and I'd pay them whatever, whatever they want. I just, they just want someone that's not me to give them that extra advice. And I understand it. I get it. Uh, it could be the same exact advice, but I just feel like if it came from someone other than myself, they would be receptive to move forward, feel a little bit more confident and things like that. 
You know, it's funny. I remember when my dad tried to teach my sister how to drive standard and he showed up 20 minutes later and I said, where's my sister? And she showed up another 30 minutes after that. Cause at one point she got out of the car and started walking home <laughs> and, um, and she swore she would never drive standard. And then she went to a car dealership and someone told her she could save a lot of money by buying a standard. And the salesperson took her out in 20 minutes, taught her how to drive standard. Yeah. Right. And it has everything to do with all of that family relationship stuff, not being in the conversation that's supposed to be about how to shift. Yeah. Yeah. I, right. I think that would be super helpful. If you had a magic wand, you'd send someone over to my office tomorrow and you said, Hey, let's go to lunch every Tuesday for the next month. I like that one too. Cause I like to eat. So, uh, let's go every second Tuesday or whatever and go and, and have this person come in and said, Hey, uh, guys, this is what you need to do. You got buyers here willing to buy it. They're doing a great job by the way, you know, give me some props there. And then, let's let's do this this and this all right and this is what we're going to do i really that's the magic thing you know like to have them come in and and tell them hey you know what go live your life you put in a lot of work take it easy you know other than me because i'm saying all these things you know yeah. so i think we know those be- people dan we know those people we might be able to help you out so, great. so the way the way the program works is that Mike and I are going to are going to discuss the file offline and try to figure out how we might be able to get you some help through this. And and as you make progress, you come back and share with everyone how things are going. Does that sound like a fair deal? That sounds awesome. I, I would love it. Outstanding. Outstanding. Dan, it's been uh, it's been a wonderful conversation. I, I'm just uh uh, I'm so appreciative you've came, you come by and share your story with us and and, and let us uh, enjoy the conversation with you. Yeah, thanks for posting all those things you post because if you guys didn't post it out there, I wouldn't have found uh, my cousin's actually the one that found your video, David, and and we text things back and forth, and I watched it and I I just made a comment on on the video and that's how we got connected. So I didn't know you prior to that at all. And so now I'm subscribed and I watch all your guys' stuff and I think it's really cool. And so I'm, I'm just, it's, it's awesome that you guys are taking the time to listen to people and try to help people out. Awesome. Well, I hope that we can be helpful. Great. Very good. Dan, thank you for uh, joining your exit squad. Awesome. Thanks guys. All right. Have a good night, Dan. Good night. All right. So, Mike, we're going to have to have a little conversation about this, and we're going to have to find out how we can help Dan out. I know I've got a few ideas brewing in the back of my head, but I think it's going to be an exciting uh, episode for people to come back and listen to a little bit later on. Oh, absolutely. I'm always I'm always so intrigued when these things don't go the way I think they will, right? I, I think I have an understanding of what what the issues at play are. And then as the conversation evolves, we see that what's really going on here is. So fabulous, fabulous conversation. All right. Well, thanks, Mike, for joining me tonight and being my co-host. And to everyone out there who's listening, thanks for tuning in. And uh, we'll see you next time.